theyeshiva.net. Two thirty-eight, Kufiyatas, column three. So, so the Balatanya said in this Maim of Ayika Chaman that uh, when somebody begins Avodas Hashem, the whole process of Avodas Hashem, Avodas Shabalevs Utfila, but the whole experience of Avodas Hashem, it can't happen without what he calls Midas Hagasus. Midas Hagasus means not arrogance in the regular conventional term of arrogance or haughtiness or, or self-centeredness, but in the sense that a person has to be able to see himself as valuable, see himself as significant. As he puts it, And thus, the person says to himself, I want to live my life to the fullest. I want to achieve my ultimate potential. I want to touch truth. However you want to define the exact equation in this person's life. But the point is, I want to. I want to. I want to live a good life. I want to live a true life. The lack of avodas Hashem will bother him because he doesn't want to be separated. So even though he says, even in the most authentic fashion, person wants to be close to Hashem. There is something what that he calls gasos. Why? The person sees himself as something valuable, as something significant, and believes in the power of his avoida. His avoida could make him closer. Not only his avoida could make him closer, his avoida is a nachas ruach, Hashem. It means something to Hashem himself. And the opposite as well. The lack of his avoida means something. This all comes from underscoring the certain profound value and significance in the self. Now let's continue. He continues. The line starts, Shabachosa in this entire process that we're talking about. Even though here it's very brief and concise exactly what the person is thinking, what the person is considering, what Avaidas Hashem means to him. But in this entire process, any way you cut it, The person understands that there's somebody demanding something from him. You're on a calling. There is something valuable. Somebody wants something from you. Yesh Misha Mimeno. And you're the one being summoned, so to speak. Like in a debt, you have a toiveya and you have a nitba. The toiveya is the plaintiff, the one who demands. The nitba is the one who we're demanding from, right? The, the defendant. Somebody will come to you and say, pay me back my debt. The last thing this person is going to say to him is... <laughs> Well, he may be tempted to us. I'm valueless. I'm insignificant. My money is insignificant. How can I be bothering you so much? 
that if I don't pay you this debt, you're upset. And of course, everybody understands the foolishness. That's what a teve and a nitva means. There's something, there's something I need from you. You took something from me, and I want it back. In real avodas Hashem's a calling. There's a chshivas here. There's a metzias. There's a teveya. There's a nitva. Taina means there's a complaint, there's a tviya, there's a demand. This all means that the nitva, the person, is a metzias, and not just a metzias, a significant one. That's why there's the ability for a person, like when it comes to a debt, a person can give all types of excuses. A person could say, I paid. A person could say, uh, I'll pay tomorrow. A person could say, I don't owe you anything. Whether it's a true or a false is not relevant here. The point is, there's a calculation here, there's a calculation there, and then I decide, no, I want to pay, I should pay. He can exempt himself. Here too, there's two sides. That's his point. There's two sides. Now, real Avedis Hashem means that there's an option also not to serve God. And I'm making a decision. Why am I making a decision? I'm making a decision based on what type of person I want to be, based on what type of life I want to be. There's an option not, and I choose, yeah? So, Liftar Tasmah means to be a Pori Gol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we'll soon see the contrast, why that's important. This why it's important. But what if a person feels that he or she is completely insignificant, completely valueless? I have no value. My life has no value. I have no identity. So then they can't even begin the process of Avedis Hashem in a genuine way. I may be able to force somebody to do something. That's true. But that's not called Avaidus Hashem. That's just called the coerced robot. Avaidus Hashem, that's real. There's a, there's a relationship. There's a connection. There's somebody involved in the relationship here. It's not just a lifeless robot. For this, the person have to, has to have some form of self-awareness. Some form of awareness, maybe some form of awareness of the self, its value. That's what he calls here, midas, midas hagasus. That's why something bothers me. This feels good, this doesn't feel good, this is right, this is wrong, this is what I want, this is what I don't want. I want to actualize my life, I want to be close to truth, I want to have kirvas, Kim. I don't want to be nifrit, I don't want to be separated and detached, and so forth. The cause of all this is mipneitzad harichuk shaladam Hashem. All this, as good as it sounds, comes because there is an element of distance between a person and Hashem. That the person experiences himself as a nifrit, meaning as an independent, autonomous human being. Nifrit means autonomous from the word. Period, separate. Independent. That's the experience of a person. I feel myself on whatever level as something significant, autonomous. And now I have to make a decision how I want to live. And therefore, 
he sees himself as a yesh. Yesh means something that exists. Dover means, again, a thing. In his avoid, in his approach to avoid, back to the marshal of the balchayv. It's like I'm paying what I'm obligated. In other words, there's you, there's me. You're coming to me and you're saying, I gave you a lot of money, there's something I really need from you. And I'm like, you're right. And now let me give you what I owe you. The person feels, I owe something to my life. There's a question I have to answer. I have to answer the question, what I want to do with myself? Why was I born? So then my answer is, I want to be in a relationship with God. That, that could be one cheshbon. He's not focusing now exactly if it's a karatsatoiv or something else. So in this case, what bitl means is that I'm choosing to be in a relationship with you. That's what bitl means here. Bitl means I'm choosing to be in a relationship with you. I'm choosing to be connected to you. I'm choosing of being dedicated to you. We spoke of the muscle of a marriage, right? If a husband uh, proposes and he says, uh, a potential husband proposes, but he says, but remember that I don't really exist and I have absolutely no value and there's nothing in me and I'm just an uh, unbelievable schmata, though. If you need to step on something, I'll be there always. And uh, remember, I have no, no feelings, no experiences, no emotions. Right, the best marriage in the world, no expectations and so forth. Something is wrong. What's wrong is there's nobody here. There's nobody here. There's literally nobody here. So the same is that's what he says in Avodas Hashem. Right. On the other hand, I am here. I do have a lot of emotions. I have an identity, and I want to do it together with you. So I want to live together with you. Say to you that the whole point is yes, we are supposed to be Avatel and realign all the way back to the source. But in doing so. Not 100%, 99-point-whatever minus 164%. A little bit of yeshus we preserve, even this bitl. It's not... He's talking, he's talking now, the beginning of Avedas Hashem begins with a process of a person appreciating that they exist and their existence has value. First of all, I exist. It's not that I don't exist. If I don't exist, then, okay, I don't exist. Fine, so it's, it's over. I think I exist, okay, so go to therapy for your thoughts. But uh, that's number one, I exist, and my existence has real value. And that's why the question is what to do with this existence. It has real value. I want to, and therefore, because it has so much value, I want it should be, uh, it should be exercised and lived in the most powerful way. That's step one. So little known time, there's not actually no value. No, never. The word bittal as meaning that you're valueless doesn't exist. That's a distorted interpretation of bittal. That's what I gave the introduction yesterday, right, before the Shia, as we were starting the Indian, about this tension. The definition of bittal or Kabbalah Salmal Chashamayim or Yir Shamayim or Messiah, whatever, all the beautiful words as meaning that a person has no value is distorted. It has no place in reality. It's an, I know that people think that way, but it's not... Uh... Well, we'll soon see the next state of what real bittal means. Okay? 
I usually translate bittel as alignment. Alignment, which means you align yourself with who you really are. Even in halacha, we once spoke about this in a Maimer and Shlach, about, uh, about the snat, chelis. Even in halacha, when we speak about bittel, bittel b'shishim and all those things, there's a famous shitzir rishonim, the rosh, the rosh, that bittel doesn't mean that the taste gets nullified. Right? It means that it actually gets transformed. It becomes like the majority. For example, let's say there's a, an apple that's not kosher. It's an apple of Arla from the first three years. And it gets mixed in to uh, 500 apples. You have a box of apples. So if there's not many apples, it doesn't. But there's a lot of apples. So Arla's Becha the Messiah. So it gets mixed in, say, 300 apples, 400 apples. So it's uh, it's mutter, you're allowed to eat it. I, there's a tray for apples, an unkosher apple. This is called bittel. That's what bittel is. The question is, do you have to take out one apple and not eat it or not? So there's many shit that the definition of bittel is, the Lashon is, ha-isur nepach liyaz hater. That bittel means that that which is bottle becomes transformed. It's not bottle that gets, like, you're not noticed anymore. You're, you're overwhelmed, so you're not noticed. Rather, it becomes transformed. So even in halach, it's interesting how to define bit. I'll cope on it. So all of this underscores that there's a certain sense of I. And that I is necessary. Because <laughs> if you get rid of that I, then my avoidant means nothing. And I'm not moved. I'm not moved to anything. There's an I, and the I has choices. And the I chooses to be in a relationship. And that's the power of the relationship. That's the value of the relationship. Avil Be'emes now comes a higher state of consciousness, which he says you can't begin with. This Be'emes, he's saying it's Be'emes, <laughs> but it's, it's not for the maskel, it's not for the beginner. You can't begin with this, you'll soon see why. Avil Be'emes, the truth is... Now it's interesting. When the Balatanya will talk about this, he's now going to fly away with the second state. But he said clearly he can't start with this. <laughs> so he's now going to describe a completely different state of Avedis Hashem now. He's going to change course completely. But as he said before, the Maschil, the one who starts, cannot start with this. But what's this now? But the truth is, if a person was experiencing the ultimate dveikas, dveikas means connection, oneness, intimacy, dveikas, complete oneness, the ultimate dveikas, which is true, then he doesn't need tainus, and he doesn't need taimim. Tainus would mean, so to speak, explanations to himself. A tainus, like a complaint. Or a tam, a reason he doesn't need it. Why? Over here, Avaitis Hashem doesn't need, doesn't have a tam. Tam in terms of reason. Why? Because he's one with the essence of Hashem. With godliness. The ain lefun of p'chines nifrid la'atzmai klam. 
that Lefanov in his presence, there's nothing separate. As the Pasuk says, Ata Aredin Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu says twice, Ata Aresel Adas, Ki Hashem Hu Elikim, Ein Oid Melvada, says, Ein Oid Melvada Ksiv. The Pasuk says, Ein Oid Melvada, which means there's nothing outside of him. So if a person can experience the truth of this Pasuk, if a person experiences the truth of Ein Oid Melvada, so now, there's no need for reasons, for explanations, what he calls tainas, v'taimim. What's, what's the benefit? I am worth it. I'm not worth it. It's, it, it's the chachila oneness. There's oneness. If there's real dveikus, it's not that there's somebody, back to the marshal of the debt, there's somebody who's chayev, he owes me a debt, so now he has to pay. In other words, there's two separate people and you have my money and I need something from you and you want to give it to me. The whole concept of back and forth. A tiny, but there's a tviya, what's right, what's wrong. It's not shayich. There's complete oneness. And there's nothing outside of him. If there's nothing outside of him, so then, it's not a psahava mina. Yeah, avoid, not avoid. If it's separate, again, back to the marshal and the marriage, right? There's two separate people. Each is on their own journey. I have an option, this way or this way. I calculate my life, and I say, you know what? This is going to be the greatest life possible, to be in a relationship with this person. Why do I calculate that? Because I know my value, because I want to live a good life. If I don't exist, then I have no value and nothing. On the contrary, it's coming because I underscore my significance, and therefore I want to suck the marrow out of life, so I want to be in a relationship with you. And that's why there's options. We're two separate people, and we have to choose. It has to be consent, because that's what it's based on. It's based on an active, involved relationship. Not that's not coerced. If it's coerced, it's not a relationship. It's basically I'm beaten down, and I'm just a uh, lifeless robot. You do with me whatever you want. So you want to be a tyrant and a dictator? Fine. But that's why there's options. That's what options means, because I have to choose this. When one can experience, but that's all because the Rebbeinu Shalolim allowed for a sense of period. That's how creation happened. Like we looked in the previous Maimavia Daita, that's what Simpsum is. Simpsum is that Einoid Mulvadoi is not the initial instinctive experience of life. The instinctive experience of life is I exist. But he says the Emes is Einoid Mulvadoi Ksiv. Sapasik. Must have the man. Eneid Movade means we're one, we're completely one. There's no separateness. If there's no separateness, this is who I am. There's an expression of the Balshamtiv. God is Alts, and Alts is God. Yeah, Hashem is everything, and everything is Hashem. If that's the case, so it's not, I, I want to connect, I don't want to connect, there's an option. It's a When one experiences that state of consciousness, and of course when one is in that state of consciousness, they're not experiencing it anymore. 
They're in that oneness. And that it's in every one of these pchinas, there's of course endless madregus and levels. Just like in the first one, there's a madregan, deeper, deeper, deeper. But that's the general concept. So there's no choice. In addition, first of all, it's not like there's a taina, there's a tviya this way or that way, because it's the chatchila one. In addition to that, there's not there's no sense of I am serving because there's only oneness. So first of all, the option sees, and second of all, the sense of I involved in this relationship seizes because the I is not experiencing itself as separate. To give some illustration of this in a more simple way, even if it's not a complete metaphor, it would be like the relationship of the limbs of the body and the organs of the body to the brain. For example, I'm speaking now, as you couldn't see, my hands are moving. That takes effort. It takes effort. What's the process of these hands moving? Or some of you are swaying, some of you are shaking your heads, some of you are moving your feet. You're not under examination, it's fine. What's the process? Is the process... My brain turned to my hand and said, You're in the middle of giving a shia. It's deep stuff. Do me a favor. Pick up the hand. So everybody will see that you're saying something. Because if you just sit like this... They don't know if you're sleeping or you're awake. Make Chazoy. So everybody knows you're saying something. They should listen. And my hand says, excuse me. Don't tell me what to do. It's early in the morning. I want to relax on the table. It's enough I have to get out of bed for you. Now you're going to start telling me what to do. Go like this and go like this. I'm not. And as it say in Hebrew, I need love I'm not going to be manipulated. And there's no kfiyad that hit here. We don't believe in religious coercion. We live in America. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. And the brain starts either threatening. Okay? If you don't listen, I'll teach you. Or not even threatening in an aspiring way. Let me explain to you the value of it. And then the hand, after a half an hour lecture, the hand says, okay, I'll do what you want. If this is happening, then you have to go to the emergency room immediately. <laughs> if this is happening. This means the person is nebuch very ill. I mean physically ill. What's the definition of a healthy body? The hand experiences itself as, as, as one with the brain. It's not just two separate entities going on and the brain gives a commandment and then the hand has to debate it and then they go to a dintaira and they go to a court case and then it goes searching for itself and after five years it says okay I'm doing tshuva there's one central we call one central nervous system there's one holistic integrated organism and if the hand doesn't feel that way that means there's an illness that means that this organism is not functioning well. that means that something serious is going on it's not a healthy situation so in, in the real Dvekas, when a person, this is what real, this is what real bitl is. This is what real bitl is. Yes, it's self-nullification, but what type of self-nullification that is? That the self discovers itself as, as, as an expression of infinity, as an expression of ain't There's no I and you. But you can't begin this way. You can't begin this way. If you tell a child, and I don't mean only a child in years, I mean also a child in terms of development, which is sometimes a bigger child. 
if you tell a child, you don't exist, what is he supposed to do with this? People tell this to children in one way or another. And the impacts are very noticeable. You have to be able to, to, to reach this, to appreciate it, to understand what it means. Because if not, it could sound like you just wanted to destroy me. It's an act of destruction. It's not an act of rehabilitation. It sounds like you even So to speak, I'm giving that marshal of the body. It's really even deeper than that. But I think it's a pretty good marshal. To just to describe, it's not the hand says, oh, excuse me, who are you? Do I owe you? Don't I owe you? What's the cheshbin? It will be better for me. A healthy arm doesn't make that cheshbin. Why? You are the brain. The brain is you. The brain is not your competitor. The brain is not your, 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 your king giving you commandments. It's all one thing. That's what an organism is. It's one goof. It's just frag. It's just manifested in different limbs and organs. It's all one organism. It's one mitzi is the whole goof. And today, the more we know medicine, the more we see it. The intricacies, even though it looks like different parts, it's not physically it's different parts, but it's all mamish one. And it's guided by a holistic manual DNA, etc. There's a complete achdos. It's not separate things that I'm commanding you and you're responding and you have a choice. First of all, there's no option. This is it. You are one. There's no option. You don't have to make choices. Not because you're being dictated. Because this is your MS. <laughs> it's not like we, we crush the hand. We don't, I don't care for my hand. I'm abusing my hand. If I care it. Imagine, imagine that the, 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 the chest, the heart... Summons the arms and the legs and the, the abdomen and the kidneys and the pancreas and the liver and all limbs of the body and says, you know, this little brain, a little Napoleon, this brain, a few inches, mama's jello, with one, with one, uh, with one punch, and he runs the whole show. Gedog! Gedog! Free at last, free at last. We're not going to allow this little brain, a little manipulator in my skull on top. He runs the whole show, tells everybody what to do. Nobody can do anything without him. How long will we live under this tyranny, under this oppression? What's the, what do they do? They gang up and they're strong hevra. There's strong hevra somewhere under the brain, under the brain, a lot of strong guys. They gang up, they drill a hole in the skull, they take out the brain and they throw him into the dustbin. The problem is, before they can cry, free at last, free at last, it's more like Yisgadal. The Yisgadal, the Chavar Kaddish, has to be called. Why? What did they destroy? They didn't destroy the brain. They destroyed themselves. They don't exist anymore. They're just a piece of dead flesh. With the brain, it's all one body. So it's not a competition. Everybody laughs, because we, under, we all understand this instinctively. Thank God we're healthy people. That's what a healthy organism is. So it's not that there's an option and then I have to choose. It's not that there's even a separate eye to choose. First of all, there's no choice and there's no body to choice, choose. Say the chefze of Avodah Hashem is not shaykh and say the gavra is not shaykh. The chefze in terms of I'm choosing this versus this. This is who I am. And the gavra, there's no eye to choose. I am you, you am I. There's one. But this is real dveikas. Real dveikas means when the truth of Ein Soiv gets nisgala, gets revealed, there's no period whatsoever. So then there's complete oneness. My losing myself in God is not a chisaran. It's the ultimate realization of self because the true self is divinity, is infinity. I think I told you once 
It was just a very rich uh, metaphor that I heard from somebody. I once asked a great pianist, a, a renowned one. He would play in uh, he played in Carnegie Hall and other such places. And I asked him an interesting question. What's uh, I was curious because of my own work. I asked him when you're sitting there at the piano, thousands of people, it's a top performance, classical music. What's the definition of success? I mean, you know the songs. You know how to play. You've done this for years, yeah. But what's the definition? Sometimes you have an evening and you say, <laughs> it was good. And sometimes, you know, between one and ten, it was schwach. Uh, Maybe a lot of the crowd won't know, but but you you know. What's the definition of you were on or you weren't on? So he said to me, the ultimate success of an evening is, I know it when I'm not present during the performance. When I am not present during the performance. So I understood what he meant, but I wanted to uh, understand more in Isis. I said, what do you mean? So he said, if I'm in the middle of playing and I'm completely not conscious of me playing, I'm completely not conscious, as though I'm not present there. He says, that's when the magic happens. Basically, my fingers become a conduit. My whole self and my fingers become a conduit for the music. There's no I involved. That's always when I hit the mark, because there's no I. Sometimes, and any artist knows this, anybody who performs, <laughs> speaking, writing, dance, and anything, sports, and any any such type of involvement in the world... I know I'm, I speak a lot, as some of you know, <laughs> right? Sometimes I speak, and I'm very self-conscious. I'm here, I'm speaking to the crowd, I want to communicate effectively, I want them to invite me again. All that, it seems like very normal, very human, but it's really, it compromises the quality of the experience. Because there's like two separate things, there's the words, there's the people, there's me, and that always gets in the way of the energy. When there's a moment when you cease to be, what does it mean you cease to be? Your self-consciousness is now out of the way. It's not you become less, you become much more. You become part of infinity. The, the, the music is going through you. And when the music goes through you, it's all different experience. It's typhus. That's what real bitl is. <laughs> That's what real bitl is. The self becomes part of infinity, so there's no self. There's, that's what he says, a nifrit, there's no self. There's echad pasha, doesn't make the person less powerful, makes the person much more powerful, but not as powerful as separate, as egotistical, on the contrary. It's the most humbling experience because you're not there, actually. It's like dance like no one is watching. Huh? Like dance like no one is watching. Like dance like no one is watching. Yeah. 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 So the hand and the brain is a good dogma for this. Yeah, it's one. It's one. And that's what makes a hand so powerful. Chas v'shalem, amputate a hand. What what happens to it? A toitishtik flesh. It's a dead piece of flesh. Now what is it? It's part of the miracle of human life. It can write, it can accomplish great things. It's a whole different metzius. It's elevated from a piece of flesh that is lifeless to a living organism. So the orla apple becomes possible. Right. Yeah. That's according to the Rishonim, what Bittal is, that the Arla, or the milk, or whatever it is, is actually transformed into kosher. 
it becomes part of the higher substance that it's nullified in. So even in halacha, according to many, nullification doesn't mean nullification. It means you become aligned, you become uh, part of something greater. <coughs> There's a moida de kavod from the Magad of Mizrich, the Rebbe of the Balatanya. It says in... in, in uh, in Tanakh, they describe the Nevi'im, Vayihi kinnagen hamenagen vatihi alav ruach Hashem. Vayihi kinnagen vatihi kinnagen hamenagen vatihi alav ruach Hashem. Which means, the Nevi'im and the Bnei Nevi'im, they would play music as a form of, uh, as a form of, you know, spiritual ecstasy and oneness and meditation. So what's Vayihi kinnagen hamenagen? So it's like when the menagin started to sing, say Taichus, Vayihi kenagin hamenagin vatiyalov ruach Hashem, when the menagin became a nagin. Which means, when the menagin, the singer, kenagin hamenagin, when he became a heftzer of music, when he became like the violin, when he became an instrument for the music, vatiyalov ruach Hashem. Sometimes when you look at a violin, what's the power of a violin? There's a machlaikus in Gemara Maseches Erkin. There used to be every day a concert in the Beis HaMikdash. Every morning, every single day there was a symphony. <coughs> it was beautiful. And you can have, people don't realize what was going on in the Beis HaMikdash. You can have usually 120 people on the symphony. Vocalists and musicians. And this is what the Levian were in charge of. You had vocalists, those who sang, and you had the musicians, those who played instruments. 120 people. That's a serious symphony every day. It wasn't just once a month you went out for a symphony. This was the Nebuchadnezzar every single day. <coughs> bring that into a regular shul or yeshiva today. Besides here, here everything goes. But bring, bring it into a regular shul to say, what's this? This is a new Judaism? But this was the Beis HaMikdash every day for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. In the Mishkan, the Beis HaMikdash. So the Machlekes and Masech Erkin, what's the most important thing? The vocalists or the musicians? Which is the more important? Which is lechatchila? Which is b'diyat? Now, which do your mamish need? And which is extracurricular? Is it the singers, the vocalists, or the musicians? Interesting machlaikas, because the Torah doesn't say clearly. There's the shira. We learn not that it has to be shira. But what's shira? Is shira b'peh or shira b'kli? Now, what would you baskin? What's more important? At a concerto, lahavdil. What's more important? The, the vocalist? who has a beautiful, beautiful voice and sings and so forth, or the instruments. Without the instruments, without instruments, it's yeah. <laughs> It's all the same. Huh? It's all the same. Okay, but uh, fart. Yeah, but lahalocha. <laughs> Go tell this to Abriska. Lahalocha, what do you need? You need this, you need that. You're talking from the perspective of the music. From physics point of view. <laughs> I understand. You're a physicist. I understand. The same notes you're getting up. So the Gemara has a machlokes. La halacha according a halacha. The Rambam paskins la halacha that the ikir shir is bekeli, the instruments. Many those are those who argue. Come on, what's the instrument? The instrument is just an accompaniment to the song. Yeah. What's the Havana? The Havana, so in it says the Havana, because when a person sings, there's ultimately the bittel can't be as complete as a keli. A violin has no ego. What does a violin, we speak to a violin, uh, you're in the mood, 
You're in the mood. If a violin is not in the mood, that means it's broken. It's not a violin anymore. Sometimes a violin is not in the mood, right? It's like when your car is not in the mood. You get into the car and you say, we got to go to the city. The car says, excuse me, Rebistu, did you consult me? Yeah. If your car is doing that, it's time for a new car. What's the definition of a good car? We're going to Manhattan. The car says, here we go. Now we're going right. Here we go. The car starts saying, well, Rebistu, let's think about this. I also have a life. GPS. Why? Huh? GPS changing the moods all the time. Because <laughs> that's a person. <laughs> that's a person. That's a muscle for Merkava. And that's already detached from the body. It's not the body anymore. Hmm. But again, why? Because it's a doimim. Because it's lifeless. We all understand. Because it's a gigarza. <laughs> when I pick up my axe, my axe also doesn't revolt against me. Because it's an axe. It doesn't have that khir. The chiddush in the body is that it's alive. But you still see that achdos. So the instrument, the violin, it doesn't have its own identity, its entire identity. What does Rabbi Yudha Levi say in the Tishabov? There's a famous poem. We speaks about Haloy uh, and it starts off Tsiyayin Haloy Sishali Lishloy Masirayich. Yeah? Tsiyayin, 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 Haloy Sishali. So what does he say there? Ani Kinar Lishirayich. I am a harp for your melodies. Later, those words were paraphrased and used for the song Yerushalayim Shel Zahav. But it comes from Rabbi Yehuda Alevi, people don't know, Rabbi Yehuda Alevi's poem, what we say on Tisha B'Av, Ani kinor l'shirayich, I am a harp for your melody. I am a harp. That's who I am. Rabbi Yehuda Alevi saw himself as a kinor, as a harp through which the music of Yerushalayim is vibrating through. Zog de maged vayihi ken nagen hamen nagen. When the menagain becomes a nagain, vatiyal of Ruach Hashem, that's when the spirit of the divine can dwell on you. When you cease to be self-conscious and you become the music. When you look at the violin, you see the music. The violin becomes the music. The harp becomes the music. The piano becomes the music. Because the keli has no identity outside of the music. When the menagin can become that type of nagin, the ain soiv, the infinity, can dwell through. And I'll tell you just an interesting footnote in history. This Torah doesn't come from the sources of Hasidus, even though it should. It comes from a very strange place. There was a man, a Jewish man, he was a Polish Jew or Ukrainian Jew, his name was Shlomo Maimon. Shlomo Maimon in his times and till today was known as one of the great apicursum of the generation. One of the great heretics of the generation. He grew up in a Jewish home, obviously, but he went searching. And he became a friend of Moses Mendelssohn, Moshe Mendelssohn, in Berlin. And he became a very famous German philosopher. He also suffered from terrible, terrible depression and alcoholism. But he was a brilliant man. He wrote commentary. He wrote a svarim on the Rambam. And a very interesting person, but completely antagonistic to Yiddishkeit, and especially to the new world of Chassidim. And he went to visit the Mezritcher Magid for a Shabbos with very, very negative attitude, which he writes. He has an autobiography, and he writes it. And he was actually very taken by the Shabbos. And because he was so... Uh, emotionally antagonistic, you could trust everything he says, because there was no agenda, there was no like Hasidic bias to, to, to try to make things on the contrary, his criticism is open, and in his autobiography, he brings this Torah from the Magad, he brings this Torah, and it blew him away 
He was so impressed with the, the sophistication of it because he thought it was just a bunch of uh, archaic, old-fashioned, ancient people who do strange things and have no, there's no toichen, there's no depth. That's, that's, where, I saw, that's where I saw the Torah. The, the toichen passed for the Magid. It's, it's that, that type of energy. But that's where the source comes from. <laughs> it's not interesting. Source of what? What's Kenagin When the Menagin becomes a Nagin. They like the Rambam because Murin of is a very rational philosophical work. The other Chazoka they didn't like so much. Over there, the Rambam is. That's the svara why ain't why ik. That's the svara of the shita. It's a machlokes in Gemara, but the svara that the main shita is bekelim is because there's something about the keli, and we, and we see it. People sometimes sing beautifully. I mean, not everybody, but some people open their mouths and they sing, and it's geshmak, right? But there's a magic about an instrument that we all know that is there's something unique. That's why when singers are accompanied, there's a musical instruments. I mean, somebody sits at a piano and plays piano. Those, again, I know there's those who sit down at the piano and, uh, you know. They say that there was once a school was doing a performance, so they had the kids doing the violin. So there was one guy sitting there and he was crying, he was crying. So people were very impressed how emotionally. They said, is this your child, your grandchild? He says, no, 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 no. <laughs> so he says, so why are you crying? He says, because I know how to play the violin. <laughs> so sometimes you hear somebody play. When somebody's playing the instrument properly, there's just like this, this magic that goes beyond the human voice. Something very, very special, very powerful. What is it? It's a doimem. It, 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 it's almost like what you took a few strings and then the machst azay and azay and azay, knacking a few keys. But hagufa, hagufa, because it's a doimem, it has no consciousness, so it becomes, so to speak, one with the music. So it can trigger that component within the person himself. That type of complete bittel, that complete oneness. And he says here, he says, This consciousness we see by Avram. Every morning in Shachris we speak about Avram. And we say, Every morning, you remember? You have found his heart. He says, what does this mean, Neman? We translate Neman as, as loyal, getrai, faithful, trustful, like Neman from the word emuna, trust. He says, What's Levav Neman? What's Levav Neman? That there was no period. His life was nemon. There was complete loyalty. There was no separateness. He wasn't fragmented by two separate hearts. 
the Yetzitoiv, the positive inclination, the Yetzahara, another inclination. So we're, we're struggling with two hearts and have to make choices. Do I pay back the debt? I don't pay back the debt. From a Torah perspective, I'm born, I'm born, and there's a purpose that I'm, I'm demanded for something, I'm called on for something. That's what's called Priyas Choiv. Paying a debt means you owe me something. God says, I sent you to the world. You owe the world something. The world is waiting for your money. The world is waiting for your input. But there's a struggle. There's choices. There's an option. There's an option. And who's behind all those? I. Tagavra, the Chefkse. He says here, there's no Elerav. Leiv echad viratsen echad pashat. V'loi shayich inyin tainu utviya kiyenoid malvadoi. That was Avram. That's why it says, Matzasa es levavoi. It should have said Matsasa es liboy, his heart. Why levavoy? With two vases? Baltani says that's the whole Chiddush. Matsasa es levavoy. The heart has two ventricles. The right ventricle, the left ventricle. Spiritually, the Yetzatoy of the Yetzahara. Our hearts are fragmented because there's no oneness. O Matsasa es levavoy. Both levavs, two bases, both became nemon lefanecha. Why? And here he goes, vezehu lefanecha. And that's why the Pasik adds the word lefanecha. That was the key. O Matsasa es levavoy nemon. You know why? Lefanecha, because he was in front of you. Because when you're in the presence, when you're lefanecha, then there's no period, there's no separateness. The whole experience of separateness is because we're not lefanecha. We are products of post-Simpson. It's not lefanecha. It's not in your face. When I'm in lefanecha, when you're in the presence of truth, there's no separateness anymore. It's not a struggle anymore. The eye and God's eye are one. They melt into one. There's oneness. Kenagin hamenagin. Then there's no separateness. He's not just saying a fact, he's explaining. Because it was lefanecha. Because it was in front of you, in your presence. What happens now? And when you have this without reasons, So what's the next step? Vicharis remembers he made a covenant with him to give him Knani, Chitia, Meri, Prizi, Yivusi, Vigigashi, seven lands. How do you supposed to read this part of Davening? The seven lands, the seven Canaanite nations represent the seven Midas. Knani, Chitia, Meri, Prizi, Yivusi, Chivigirgashi, each one represents one of the seven Midas. Why is it so important that you're going to conquer the land of seven nations? How does this apply? Because each one of those nations represented a certain mida, a certain quality in the human soul that was embodied by this tribe, by this nation, which needs sublimation, that needs healing. Somebody's love can be powerful and functional and somebody's love can be dysfunctional. Somebody's sense of awe, of discipline, can be crazy and sick and cruel and it can be healthy and wholesome. Because so the Jews conquering the seven nations represents conquering and healing, transforming the seven midas. Because automatically why? Because if there's complete actus, if there's complete oneness, so then all the midas are played out as. Reflections of divine harmony, divine oneness. 
So because Matzasas Levavinam Lefanach automatically Vacharisim by Abris, he made a covenant with them to be able to receive those because the way the person's personality is experienced is a different type of personality. Not that he doesn't have Midas, but that his Midas are a reflection of divine infinity. This is the second state. This is what we call Bittl. First day is what Bittl is. This is the definition of Bittl. There's Bittl also in the first state. Don't, don't underestimate it. <laughs> the first state is very big. Now, he went to the second state, and uh, the Balatanya was when he goes to the second state, you could see uh, <laughs> it resonated. But don't underestimate what he says about the beginning. <laughs> Because if you go to step two without understanding step one, you're not going to step two. You're going to, uh, to ground zero. You understand? You're not going to ground two. You're going to ground zero. Step one is there's separateness. Yes, I exist and I'm separate. If it would be Lefanecha, I wouldn't be separate, but I am separate. And we operate on both levels of consciousness. If we can even appreciate the second level of consciousness, maybe sometimes. But the beginning of Avodah Hashem begins with self-assertion in a positive way, in a good way. In a good way. And that's the Aschal of Avodah Hashem. So whenever somebody feels that Yiddishkeit is about self-negation, self-obliteration, it's a complete misunderstanding of Judaism. And it's a tragedy, because it's the exact opposite. Even the real level of Bittl, which is nullification, is completely not that. It's the opposite. Your seven Midas don't become nothing. They become divine. They become higher, not lower. Okay. My hands decided that they need a rest. Verstand it? When you said when you said about the story with the piano, it was already very interesting. You said it started with asking what's his definition of success happens. Yeah. So I think it gives me a new havana in the mission of brothers of Khanina Bendos. How do you know if it's with the success of Bitu? So what's he really saying with Shkura? It's so Shgura. Thinking. Beautiful. Thinking. It's just flowing. Yes. It's, it's not even an awareness yeah. of me being in Stu. It's really what he's saying is I'm not pressed. Shkurafi, it just flows. Yeah. And and the question to him is, how do you know if the two of this cop how do you know it's successful? So successful to feel it is that Shgura Bafi. That he was simply not present or Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's really the fun of the of that of Rafi Nebinos of what yeah. he was saying. Yeah. Tysus brings Tysus brings from a Yerushalmi. And one of the Amirayim said, Achzike Tivusil and Nafshe, the Kimata Lamoidim and Nafshe Kara. I thank my body because when I come to Moidim, it just bows on its own. So the Veltaiches, he was so used to it, it was like, you know, it's second nature. You come to Moidim. But the Vart is much deeper. Minafshe Kara, it was Minafshe Kara. Just like when the when the body feels what the brain needs is Manaf Shekara. If the brain is, is one with the divine, so Manaf Shekara, right? Same thing. How is it relevant? When the Gemara says, Call me Shane, come by Maidim. Call me Shane, Kaira by Maidim, and then come with Chisa Mesa. So he brings this to Yerushalmi. So you're saying, Shkura Bifi is the concept of. Uh, yeah. They're just float. Vanis is an expression in Tanakh. Vanit fila, vanis fila. So the Rebbe Rayat said, Vanis fila. Ich bin geworden ashtikt fila. Vanis fila. We said, Vanit fila. I'm davening. We say, Vanincha Shabbos, Vanis fila silcha. It says, Vanit fila. Ich bin geworden ashtikt fila. I became a fila.
I am the Tvila. That's what you're saying. Shgura Bifir Bchanina Ben Taisi. Someone reaches his left, the same life as said somebody, the hand does something different than the mind. If you have to go to the back, yeah, that's how he feels it. If you do that level, you do something right, yeah. it's the same thing. When he when he hears about an Aveda, by him it's like it's like it's like neba it's like it's like it's like an amputated. That's how he looks at it. In other words, it's something that's completely uh, enigmatic. There's a lashon in Zohar. It says in Parshas Vayikra, "V'nefesh ki sechta," a soul that sins. So the Zohar says, "Tvoha, tvoha" is like Gemara bitmiya. Like it's, don't read it with a with an exclamation. Read it with a question mark. V'nefesh ki sechta. V'nefesh ki sechta. Two questions. So. When the Pesukim is passing, that Knani Azba uh, next question. So, Ebitol is the oneness, alignment, alignment. So, if that's the exact Addiction means when a person is an addict, they're also not making choices, but for the opposite reason, because the disease took them over, and it takes them further and further away from themselves. It's 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 basically I in the sense yeah I give myself over to disease, but it's like a dead person. It's basically the disease took them over and it destroys them. Here you give yourself over to what? It, it takes them away from their family, from their work, from their children, from their marriage, from 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 health, from their from living a normal. It, it takes them away from anything that we value as humans. So this becomes the bittel becomes the enhancement. That's a different type of bittel. That's a bittel of literal bittel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. This definition of bittel should enhance everything. Of course. Basically, in, in many years, I'm living that it starts with bittel, and you have to reach the end. So how powerful it is, it's just the length yeah. of the vector, but it's, uh, but it's a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Balatanya explained that the Rebbe taught us, the was set in the middle of the Purim Suda, it says on the, there's different uh, text, there was different versions of different people who wrote this mimer. This version was written by the Mittler Rebbe. 
There's another one that was written by his son. The middle of his brother, Reb Moshe, was a son of the Balatanya, his youngest son. It's printed in Maimari Admor Azakin of the Etofk of Samachvav, 1806, which is the year when the Maimur was set, Purim, Tofkov Samachvav. They put a headline, Purim Besudda. It was the middle of the Suda of Purim. And that Suda, that Purim, I think there was another Maimur in the middle of the Suda, a previous one, and then a later one in the Suda. So it gives you a little description what the Purim Suda looked like. Um... So the Nakuda that we learned in Siv Gimel was after the whole Arichis with the, with the Chita and the Moits, the kernels and the husks, which he's still going to get back to, that there's two stages in Avodah Hashem. There's the beginners, what we call for beginners, and then there's advanced, advanced level. For beginners, where there's a sense of separateness, it's not lefanecha. It's not lefanecha, a sense of separateness. Then avodas Hashem means and denotes the fact that the person seeks and yearns to live the best, deepest, and truest life. And the opposite of that is is, is painful for the person. There is an I. And the I, the I wants, the I yearns, the I aspires. And the I has choices. And the I makes a cheshbon, makes a calculation. And the I chooses what we call avaydas Hashem. I want a relationship with Hashem. Because this is not lefanecha. So therefore... There's a sense of, of I, and he says that's how it has to begin. It says, This is called Misha Maschil. Everyone who begins, who begins the process, it's impossible if the person doesn't experience their innate value and significance in the eyes of themselves and in the eyes of God. And therefore, I want to do something with my life. Not only something, I want to do something special with my life. I want my life to be the best life. I want my life to be the truest life. I want my life to be a divine life. I also have to believe in my avoida. My avoida means something. The lack of my avoida means something. There's meaning in my existence. There's meaning in my decisions. There's meaning in my choices. My avoida accomplishes something brings me close, is a nachas ruach. It's meaningful to Hashem And he says, all of this is because there's a tzad harichok. There is a distance, there's a sense of separateness. And in this, in this world, in this realm, in this place, what does avoida mean? Avoida means that this I that experiences itself, and this I that experiences choices, I see the value and the significance of aligning it with the Rebbein Nishalayla, with the master of the world. Then there is a deeper state of consciousness, but that's not the Haskalah, that's not the beginning. The deeper state of consciousness is that I don't get distracted 
I'm truly alive, so I don't get distracted by my eye. I don't get distracted by my eye because I come to the experience, as he puts it, enoid mulvadek siv, with this complete, seamless oneness. The universe is holistic. What he calls dveikus amitis, true intimacy, complete oneness. The eye here is not separate. And therefore there's no options. Yes and no, and this is what I owe to myself, and this is what I owe to you. Like the Balchoiv, I owe you a debt, I'm going to pay you. You need it, I want it. There's no separateness. He says, The eye doesn't compromise, doesn't comprise a chatzitza, a, 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 a partition. I don't get distracted with me, and therefore, I'm truly alive in even a deeper sense because my eye becomes part of the, so to speak, infinite symphony of the divine. Like it says, Both sides of his heart were loyal, were one because it was was in front of you. And in front of you, when the you is present in a manifested way, there's nothing separate. There's nothing outside of it. As a result, what do we say in davening? The next words are, And then we change themes. You remember this from davening? Every single morning, there's people who have said this for 50, 60 years. It's a chiddish by us, no? A person could say something for 30, 40, 50 years. They didn't even once stop to think what they're saying. This is something unique among Orthodox Jews. And maybe among other people too. Something unique. Isn't that still the 50 years? Sure. Yeah. 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 It's a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite. You can have both. It doesn't have to be robotic. So a pashtus, it's just putting together a bunch of stuff. Now these are really verses from Nehemiah. From Nehemiah, Pesukim from Nehemiah, we put into Vayvarech David, Pesukim de Zimra, and we say, after Atu Hashem Levadecha, Atu Sisa Shashamayim, Bechol Tzvam, Atu Mechayes Kulam, doesn't seem connected, but really it's one theme. Atu Hashem Levadecha, you're alone, you give life to everything. Atu Hashem Elikim, Hashem Hu Elikim, which is connected to Hashem Uwalakim. Avram, you chose Avram. You took him out of Urkazdim. You changed his name to Avraham. You found his heart loyal, faithful to you. And as the Balatanya said, Neman here doesn't just mean faithful, he was a loyal person. His Levavai was Neman. Both parts of the Belev, the two bases, not Libay, but Levavai. The Yitzhatev and the Yitzhara were completely one. Why? Because it was Lefanecha. There was no separateness. What's the result of that? The result of that is you made with him a covenant to give him the land of Knani Chiti, Emeri Yavusi, the land of the seven Canaanite nations. So we look at it as two things. Avram was your man, and he said, I'm going to reward you and give you Eretz Yisrael, where there lived seven great tribes, or seven cultures, seven Canaanite empires. 
But there's also a spiritual meaning in it. And the physical meaning evolves from the spiritual meaning. That the seven nations living in Eretz Yisrael, known as the seven Canaanite nations, represent the seven Midois of the soul, Chesed, Gvur, Teferis, Netzach, Yisrael, Malchus. But in Midois, we have Midois, Toivas, and Midois, Royas. There's the way that the Midois are aligned with the divine, and the way the Midois are fragmented and broken, and become actually emotional experiences that take away a person from his or her true relationship with themselves and their core. So you'll have chesed. You'll have love that is productive, love that is uh, that builds, love that is meaningful, love that is inspiring. And then one can also have love. They're attracted to things just because they're trying to numb their pain. This is the concept of addiction. I'm in love. I'm attracted to a lot, a lot of things. But my attractions are really a way of getting further away from myself. So you have to be careful which love you're into. The same is true, Gvura. Gvura is discipline, strength, boundaries. There are boundaries that build, there are boundaries that nurture. There are boundaries that come because of a wholesome self and a wholesome relationship with the other. And then there's Gvura, which is basically I detach, again, because I can't be in the connection. It's too difficult, so I detach. Gvura, which becomes about impulsiveness or anger, and usually the two are very connected. When your Ahav is off, your Yira is off. When your Chesed is off, your Gvura becomes off. The same is true with everything else. Tiferes and Netzach and Hoid and Yesoid and Malchus. Each one of the seven Canaanite nations represents one of these Midas. Because Matzasas Levavai Neman Lefanecha. So what's the result? Vecharis in my Habris to give him these seven nations, meaning that in Avram's life all the seven Midas can be liberated, they can be emancipated from Canaan, they could become Eretz Yisrael, they could become divine, they could be sublimated because there's no separateness anymore. So that's what he says. Without reasons. This case, it's not you need a tam for Avedis Hashem. A cheshben and a tam, a reason. I'm looking for the flavor. Tam means reason, tam also means flavor. That's all when there's separateness. Here, the person doesn't need time It's automatically I give him these lands. In other words, they become bottle memela. They become nullified from their route automatically. Mishum, the kamei mamish kula kaloi chashiva bemela ve'ein dover nifrit. There's an expression in Zohar, Kula, which is very, very often quoted in the Svarim of the Balatanya, that Kula Kamei Keloi Chashev. It's actually based on a Pasuk in Daniel, but it's quoted very frequently in, it's quoted very frequently in, in, uh, in, in, in Teres Achsidus. What does Kula Kamei Keloi Chashev mean? How do you translate it? Literally. And here you see he puts in three words, which gives a whole different translation. The literal translation is kula, everything. Kamei, in front of him, in his presence, is kaloi chashev, it's like nothing. It's not significant, it's not chashev, it has no value, it has no, chashev means significance, value, right? Adam chashev. Kula kamei, everything in front of him, kaloi chashev, it's like not considered. It's, it's nothing, it's meaningless, it's value, there's no chashivas. Kula kamei. So many people, when they see these words, well, how do they explain it? Kula Kamei, in, in his presence, in his presence, I'm nothing. 
I don't exist. I'm now the biggest shmata of the world. In other words, the more you become aware of God, the less you become chashev. That's what it says. Kula kamei If I'm not aware, if I'm not in front of him, then I can build myself up, at least in my imagination. But if it's kamei, then you realize, you pop the bubble, and you deflate the balloon, and there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Kama mensch. Kama, you're not even an ant. You don't even have the chivas of an ant. Balatanya says you got it wrong. He puts in three words. Kula kamei kaloichash, kamei mamish, in front of him. Kula kaloichash, what's that? There's nothing separate. There's nothing outside of the Ain Saif. So not only are you chashev, you're infinite. Ain Dover Nifrit. Kula Kameh in his presence. You're typhus. Kula Kameh in his presence. Kulay chashev. You don't have an in detached. You don't get distracted by an eye that is detached. Because you're a conduit. Ain Dover Nifrit. There's no period. Of course there's no I. The I is one with Einoid Muvadai, with Ein Saif. That's Prat Kula Kamei If it's not Kamei, there's Tzimtzum, there's restrictions, there's concealments. So now I have to struggle with the me. And in that struggle, what's the Derech of Avaydus Hashem? To appreciate the value of your life, to appreciate the value of the self, and to desire the best and the greatest. The best and the greatest life which comes from a self-awareness and a certain self-consciousness and appreciation of the self and its power and its potential and its greatness and its greatness in the eyes of God. And without that, you can't begin a Vedas Hashem. As I quoted from the Kotzke, what other people call prikas oil, I call atzvos. They call it removing the yoke of God and I call it sadness, melancholy, depression, despair, Eh, I don't care. Do this, do that. I don't care. You know when somebody does, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. They don't care. <laughs> they don't think they have the right to care. They don't think there's anything to care about. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. It's a form of giving up. It's a form. It's a form of despair. It's a form of resignation. Avodas Hashem is the antithesis of resignation. The whole Shulchan Aruch is based on one thing. I wake up in the morning and God is waiting. There's a relationship, there's something exciting. He's interested in me. A Misa with, uh, with Rosh Hashanah once. A short Misa is very powerful, moving. The Magid of Mezrich, his oldest Talmud, was a Jew known as Reb Mendele Vitebske, or some people call him Reb Mendele Haradoker. He came from Vitebsk, he was in Haradok. And he's known as the Priyaritz. He wrote a sefer called Priyaritz. He was the oldest Talmud, one of the oldest Talmudim of the Magid. The Balatanya was the youngest. In the, in the intimate circle of Talmudim, they were called the Chevraya Kaddish, the Holy Chevra, the Holy Group. He was the oldest, Balatanya was the youngest. And he was a very great man. When the Magid passed away, Yutas Kislev, Yutas Kislev, Tovkov Lamed Gimel, 1772. So for... A few years, the Balatanya went to Reb Mendel as a chassid, as a Talmud. Reb Mendel had a docker, Reb Mendel of Itepska. Then, a few years later, Reb Mendel went to Tertisrol. And he moved to Tveria. And that's where he lived till his passing in Tovkov Memches, I think. And he's buried in Tveria in the cemetery there. 
He went to the Balatanya, but the, he told the Balatanya, you got to go back. Russia needs you, you got to go back. And he didn't let him come with him. He went with Rabbi Avram of Kalisk, who was another Talmud of the Magad, and a group of Chassidim. The Balatanya went back, yeah. He actually stayed in Ukraine for a year. He made Chassidim. That was the only Chassidim in Magilov for this. Magilov, yeah. Tovkov Lamad Ches, I think, yeah. Lamad Zayin, Lamad Ches. And then he came back, yeah. Reb Mendele was there, and the truth is, till the period of Reb Mendele, the Alter Rebbe was not mamish, uh, I mean, although he taught and he had a lot of Talmidim, but he didn't assume officially, like, the position of a Rebbe. After the period of Reb Mendel, Tovkov Mamches, which was many years later, he uh, he felt more, uh, I guess he felt it was more appropriate. So they say it was one night Rosh Hashanah, and Reb Mendel came home, and he was already sitting by the tish, and they started the suda. They wanted to start the suda, make kiddush. And he looked up, and he sees the Balatanya who came to him Rosh Hashanah wasn't there. So uh, he looks around, and he says, "If somebody saw the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe, he wasn't called in the Balatanya. They called him the Liyajne Magid, the Rav, or Zalman, Reb Zalmanu, that the Magid used to call him, whatever the name was. But he asked where he was." Huh? The Litvak, yeah. The Litvak they called him, yeah. So he asks him. So they said, he's still in shul. He's still in shul. So the Mendele, and they, they waited, and waited, and he wasn't coming. So the Mendele had a duck, decided to go himself to call him. I think first he sent somebody and said, Adavetnach, he still does. He went himself. He went, he went into shul, and Al-Tarev was davening. He was davening himself the night of Rosh Hashanah Maidav. So the Mendele came back. He said, Vos tute. So he could have said, Edavent. He said, That's what he's doing. <laughs> he's dancing with God, and God is dancing with him. He's rejoicing with Hashem, and Hashem is rejoicing with him. That's how the Mendele or the Dukkha described the mind of Rosh Hashanah. with and the so even on a very simple level, the beginning of a, that's the genesis of Avodas Hashem. Person wakes up in the morning. There's a calling. There's a relationship. There's an opportunity. I want you. You want me. Just like in any good relationship, in a couple's life, friends' lives. So the I is involved in a relationship. Then there is when Kula Kamei. What's Kamei? He puts in the word Mamish and he puts in the words Ein Davanifrit. Took a Maimon Azoya, puts in the word Mamish, because it's always Kameh, you're always in his presence. But there's Kameh Mamish, meaning without concealment, one can experience on his level, Einoid Mulvadoi, and then Eindavan Nifrit. Then there's nothing separate, Kaloi Choshev. There's no significance to anything outside of absolute one infi- oneness and infinity. So Avaidah Hashem is now organic, it's, it's, it's essential, it's intrinsic because there's complete oneness. But Meila, what happens? So the seven Midois, the seven Midois become conduits for God's infinity. So automatically, if it's Lufanecha, there's no Midas Royce left. So the translation of oneness, how he translates it immediately is not, he's a Psawan. You see it immediately in a person's midas. In a person's midas, you see where they are. A person's emotions, a person's interactions, a person's experiences, you see where they are in their relationship. 
Dveikas in Hashem means that the person is transformed in terms of their relationships, in terms of their midas, their emotions, their experiences. Automatically, v'chadis me'abris. V'ein dove nifrit. V'meil v'ainu losses lazarai. That's why he says, these seven nations are going to be given over to the children. What does it mean? What does it mean to the children? Shenesunim, they're given over. Umisbatlim, bekoyach habitl ha'amiti. And he puts in habitl ha'amiti. Because they become, the midday become nullified in the, in the power of the true bittel. What's the true bittel? True bittel means that there's nothing separate. Kaidei levavoy hanem and avram. Ain't tainus. In this state of consciousness, what we call the loyal heart of Avram, it's not there's a taina, there's a svara, a taina means there's a complaint, meaning there's a, I have to justify it. I have a taina, somebody says I have a taina. Or a svara, there's a logic to be separate. And then you say, but I don't want to be separate. I have my your money, you 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 lent me a hundred thousand dollars. There's a svara to keep it. It's nice to have in the bank a hundred thousand dollars. Can you do with the mice about the rav? The rabbi of the big shul every Friday would go to the bank and take out a loan for fifty million dollars, and he would return it Monday morning, ten o'clock AM. Every week. He did this for years. One day the manager calls him up and says, I don't understand. Obviously, between Shabbos and Sunday, you're not doing anything with fifty million bucks. What's the point of this loan? He says, listen, when I get up in front of my balabatim to speak on Shabbos, to give a sermon, everything is different when I know and they know that I have $50 million in the bank. It's just different. I can say what I want. I don't, have to, I don't need anybody. I don't care. So there's a svara. You gave me a loan. There's a svara and a time to say, maybe maybe we could make some, you know, maybe we could for hakal. And then I argue and I say, no, that's unjust, it's immoral. This is how people live. You live with kindness and smartness. There are struggles, there's battles. There's battles, there's options. And you have to choose. There's pros and there's cons and everything. But then you have to tell yourself, what type of life do you want? You want to be a fugitive? You want to be a criminal? You want to be lying to yourself? You can do that. That's a life. People do it. Is it a life? It's a life if you want to live a very small, narrow life, lying to people, the deceiving people, not returning calls. I mean, there are people who live that life. They're like always on the run, emotionally, they're always on the run. They can't look at anybody. They're in a fight with half the world. I mean, you're familiar with what I'm talking about. It's a way of living. I mean, it's not a quality life. It's a pretty impoverished life. It's, it's a very poor life. But these are choices. Because, yeah, I have that sum of money. There is a voice in me that says, maybe we can arrange, <laughs> maybe you can arrange something. And then I have to tell myself, no. And this is constantly true when I'm about to gossip, I'm about to say a juicy, I'm about to become part of a juicy conversation, present company excluded. Yeah, and it's a svada. That's what he calls taino svada. And then I tell myself, I don't want this for me. The same is true, you come home, you can get into a fight with your spouse, you can get into an argument, you have issues, everyone has issues, and you could let them harbor, and you let them sit, and they go on for days. There's a way of living like that, I have to be right, and this person is wrong, and then they say, I don't want that life, it's miserable. But I have to tell myself, because there's a voice in me that says, be miserable, and be right. (laughs) There's that voice. 
And then there's the voice that says, no, say I'm sorry and be rich. <laughs> be rich. And the same is true in almost everything in life. Life is about choices. Why is life about choices? Because there's a lot going on and I have to choose within myself between different voices. Levavai, my heart is not made of one piece. The heart says, gemacht von asach It's not nemon einoid mulvade. I can't live always in that consciousness, if ever. So I'm always making choice, making choices. Person comes home, their child wants to spend time with them. You're exhausted. All you want to do is hit the sack. Second best, sit on the couch with your phone. Okay? The option of sitting on the floor playing or giving attention or listening to stories or doing homework, it's really not something you want. So there's an instinct. Uh, there's an instinct that wants to blow up. There's an instinct that just wants to run away. There's an instinct that just wants to go into your own news sites or, or serve the webs or the yeshiva.net or whatever it is and uh, from the better options. But not if you've got to be with your child. And then you make a choice and you say, what type of father do I want to be? What type of mother do I want to be? And it doesn't mean when I make a choice that the other choices were not real. They were very real, and that's what gives my choice value. And making a choice doesn't mean that you don't have other voices inside of you that tell you, I'm not interested. I'm not interested, but I choose to be interested, even though I'm not interested. And again, we go back to the famous Yerushalmi that we often quote in Brachas, one of the most important steps in life, im ein das, havdala minayin. We say atachin antonu and atachin in ladam das because havdal always comes from das. Perception allows for choices. When there's no perception, I can't make choices. I'm in a web. I'm caught up in my spider's web. I'm stuck. When there's das, I can make choices. But choices come from the fact that I can see the value here, the benefit of here. And that's what he's saying. There's a taina on a svada snifrit. There's a way of choosing. I don't want a relationship. I don't need this whole relationship. I'm not interested. That's a taina. snifrit. I want to be selfish. I want to be separate. But then I say no. I want to be close. I want to be close. I don't want to treat my eye this way. I want to be close. I realize what that means for me, what that means for my life. Then there's Avramovinu's stage. He says, there's no taina and svara. Why There was never anything separate. There was no separateness. That's a second state. That's a completely different state of consciousness. There was no period. If there's no period, there's no I that's separate, and there's no options. It's a chathila oneness. Over here, there's taken no fragmentation. This is what he calls habitul ha'amiti. Why? Because Kula Kamei, in his presence, Mamish, Kalai Mamish Chashiva. What said Kalai Mamish Chashiva? Not that nothing has Chashivas, meaning you're the ultimate Shmata in the world. It means the end of a Nifrit. You're never separate. There's never a partition between you and infinity. So Kula Kamei, Kalai Chashiv, when you hear those words, Kula Kamei, Kalai Chashiv, everything in his presence has no Chashivas. What does it mean? In his presence, nothing is separate. Nothing has separate chashivas. There's never a chatzitza. There's never, like in the mikvah we say chatzitza, there's never a partition between you and God. So a person will say, what do you mean? But I have all these sins and I have all these issues and I have all these problems. In Kameh, in his presence, nothing could constitute a real partition because enoid mulvade, there's absolute oneness. So there's nothing in your life and in your past 
that could constitute a separation between you and Asha. That's what it means. I don't know if you want to go there with your boss. Unless you're the boss. <laughs> Maybe you want your employees to go there with you. I don't know. We're going to get the union upset. Workers' rights. Workers' rights. I don't know, Vas Felderois, that a boss and a employee have to be like this. Standard, how when you bit, we have a better relationship. Of one, not a bit of If the employee and the boss reach that place, I mean, they're like maybe best friends and this. I'll tell you a story that's uh, not an employee and a boss, but I heard it from Ayid. His name is Reblabel Posner. He lived in Bar Park for many years. He lived in California, he lived in Bar Park. I think now he lives in Crown Heights. He's an elderly Yid. So I once heard this from him. I was walking Shabbos to Shula, coming from Shula, and I met him. I told him, it's to tell me a Misa. So I told him, a and he told this to me. When he was a Bacher, he was around 13 years old, around 13. The Rebbe Rayats, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, came to America a few years earlier. He ran away from... Nazi-occupied Warsaw. And everybody knows that America then was not America today. There were barely three or four yeshivas. And Bechal Yiddishkeit was very, very weak here. Extremely weak. My mother told me that when she was dating my father, he had a beard. And people would stop in the street and point. It was a person. Huh? My father said he's not in yeah, it was like Parach Mashana Abrius. It's hard for people to understand today. It was like Mashana Abrius, yeah. The first things that ever, when he came to the to the shore, when he came to America, he said the famous expression, America is nicht anders. America is not different. It could be a place of Torah and Yerushalayim. But it was, uh, it was a completely new concept. So one of the first things he started to do was build... Jewish day schools all over the United States. Some of them still exist today. He built dozens and dozens of day schools, which was unheard of. All Jewish kids went to public school. Even the from was from families. There were mamish three or four yeshivas of higher learning. In terms of elementary schools, there was almost nothing. Mamish. Then they started to build. But so he started to build day schools. And uh, that's why most uh, most Jews assimilated in America in the earlier years. A million Jews were lost to assimilation, even though many of the parents were religious. So we, he built one day, the Rebbe decided that we have to build a school in Chicago. So he called in this Posner boy and his brother. His brother's already have an oil man. His name was Zalman Posner. He was a rabbi in Memphis, Tennessee. He called them in. Label told this to me, Rabbi Leopold. He said, uh, I want to open a yeshiva in Chicago. And Ms. Otsutsi and Kinder bring in children. And I appointed you to send it to be the first students, the first Talmudim. And then he said, <laughs> I didn't ask you first. 
weil ich rechenach wie einer von meinen Eivorim. Und bei einem Eiver darf man nicht fragen. I consider you as one of my limbs, one of the limbs of my body. And by the limbs, you don't have to ask, because it's one. The marshal I gave, I gave, you remember? My, my hand goes up. It's not like my brain sits down for a board meeting with the hand and says, let's discuss it, and says, who do you think you are? Okay, I'll give you a bonus at the end of the year. And then, okay, if you'll be a nice boss, it's one. It's one. And then he told them more things. They went to Chicago. So he started to cry when he told me the story. So I asked him, I guess it was a brute and coarse question, but I wanted to understand. So it was a brute and coarse question because it came from the first pchina. I said, you weren't upset? <laughs> I mean, I calls, somebody calls you in and says, I decided that you're moving tomorrow to Melbourne because I have to open a yeshiva. Huh? A 13-year-old. You could move to Melbourne if you want. I mean... Salt meats. So he looked at me, he started to cry. He says, upset? It was my happiest moment in life. It was my happiest moment in life. He said, I didn't have to hear more than that. He said, to live life just to hear those words... He said, I felt uh, the privilege, I felt you can't imagine. Now, what's, what's the Havana in this? What, what does this mean? What does this mean? If a person feels that a Rebbe is just in it for power, you're not going to feel this way. You're going to call it abuse. Which, as you know, a lot of Rebbes, if they'll call in a chaz, they say, I want you to move to Morocco for six months. What are they going to say? You could move. Huh? Yeah, you jump first. Excuse me. You're in Florida for the next six months, and I'm going to go to Morocco. Which is why they wouldn't do it. They have Seichel. You know, understand? I'm sitting on a throne. I'm not talking about anybody individually. I'm not, I know right away, uh, it's not a class of politics here. It, it's the concept. Uh, excuse me? Maybe, yeah, if you have a company and you're going to pay me uh, an extra 50 grand, I'll go to Morocco for six months, fine. You've got to make it worth it for me. In other words, the reason my hand listens to the brain is, there's a reason for it. Because the brain 24 hours is taking care of my hand. <laughs> because 24 hours the brain feels responsible for every limb and organ in the body. There's not a pinky that the brain says, oh, it's not mine. You, you're not belong to me. I don't take care of you. The whole metzius of the brain is what? Mysterious nefesh for the body. <laughs> the brain does anything to protect the body. Well, when you have such a rebbe, he says, I consider you like one of my evarim. So I didn't have to hear more than that in life. Now, what, what, what was he really saying? What he was really saying was that the greatest compliment he can get from the rebbe was that he didn't have to consult me. If the Rebbe said, I need to consult you, then he would feel insulted. Why? I'm separate. A separate person. You have to consult. I can't send you to Chicago. to send you to Chicago. You're an Evid. You're my slave. Masters and slaves did that. But slavery was abolished. Not everybody knows that. But slavery was abolished by Abe Lincoln. If that's together, 
That's where the Gemara says, Avde ben Gitten, Avde ben An Evid wants Hefkeris. He has no choice. He's a slave. That's what a slave is. He has no choice. But if he says, if the Rebbe would say, I want to consult you, think about it. Come back to me in a week. For him, that would have been, ah, a letter. We're separate. The fact that the Rebbe could tell me, you're my Aver. For him, there was nothing greater than that. That he mamish one with his Rebbe, who he saw as mamish an Eved Hashem, completely bottled Hashem to the Ein Saif. He didn't need more in life. What do you need more in life than that? But there has to, that relationship you can't force. I can't force. If it's forced, then it's not that. Then it's it's dumb. Then then you're an abused victim. <laughs> then you have the battered woman syndrome. You know what battered is? You're a battered victim. This is not because he was. He didn't. I came out. I I asked him. I said, "You felt abused." I knew he didn't. I wanted to. I just wanted to understand his hergish. He looked at me. He said, "Abused." The happiest moment of my life. So somebody can hear it and said, "Yeah, you know, he drank the Kool Aid." But we're not talking about obliteration of personality. When somebody is in a real cult, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, please, please hang me, hang me. You push it, you become never a dysfunctional person. You don't think for yourself. We're not talking about that. That you could see right away. A person doesn't think; they don't feel because they become completely dependent. That's not what kulakamekalechashiv means. Fakert, your midas become greater, deeper, more powerful, not less. They're not nifred. They're not nifred. That's the difference. The cult is trying to obliterate you. I don't want you. I just need you as an evid. I need you as a robot, as a slave. The less personality, the better. The less thoughts, the better. The less emotions, the better. Then I could manipulate you. Here we're talking about ain't soif never manipulates because it's oneness. It's truth. I don't have to manipulate. You're not. You're not threat. You're not a threat. Fakert. <laughs> you're an asset. You're never a threat. Depends what type of Rebbe. <laughs> but he can only feel like that about his Rebbe, the Rebbe Dayats, because, because of who that person was. Avada, it's all Hashem. The definition of a real Rebbe is that he's completely bottled to the Ein Saif. That's why he's the brain. The Nikud of the Mayach is that it thinks about everything of the body 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now think of Knesset Yisrael as a body. If you have a Mayach that 24 hours a day, 7 days a week is continuously thinking about every single limb, including the last pinky, the last toenail, that's his whole Metzius. Then it's a schus to be part of that. It's not, I'm part of you and I become part of your party, your maflega, your cult, your, 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 uh, your chutzah, your thing. Because your whole metzius is, 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 is achtos with Hashem. This typhus was There's a vart, a very psidish vart, and a good one too, a sharp vart. It says in Pirkei Yavis, Yehich voit chavercha chavavalecha kishalach. The covet of your friend should be as valuable as yours. Your fear of your Rebbe should be like your fear of heaven. Yeah, you've heard this line from Pirkei So how does everybody touch it? 
You got to be scared of your Rebbe like you're scared of God. Does this work good for a Rebbe? It's excellent. <laughs> you got to be scared of me like you're scared of a Mr. Prikayovis. And as they'll always say, don't argue with me, argue with Prikayovis, which means you're not Prikaitis. It says clearly you should be scared of your Rebbe like you're scared of God. It says that's true. But like always, you miss the Pnimius of the Vart. So there's a Vart, I think it comes. I, I saw it from the Sar Shalom of Bells, the first Bells of maybe the Naftali Rupshit, so one of the great Hasidic masters, Ahela Kayid. So he said, it's actually not a commandment, it's a prediction. It's a commandment, but the commandment is always a prediction, like every commandment. Vahafta, the Alter Rebbe says, is Loshin Sivri and Loshin Aftacha. Whatever is a mitzvah is also a prediction, because if it's a mitzvah, it means that's where you belong. You understand? Every mitzvah is also a prediction. A mitzvah is not a commandment. It's a commandment, but it's a prediction. This is where you belong. It's like the, the brain telling the, the finger, stay away from fire. <laughs> if you're a healthy finger, that's where you belong. It's not, I'm not commanding you. It, in, the, in, in the real achdus, you don't need mitzvah. Because mitzvah means you're separate. A healthy pinky, the brain says, don't touch fire. It doesn't touch fire. If chas v'shalom is separate, then you have to take it away. You take it away. So he says like this, prediction. <laughs> the fear of your Rebbe is always going to be commensurate with his fear of God. The fear of your Rebbe will always be dependent on on his Yerushalayim. It'll always be. In other words, your year of him is just a mirror of his year from Hashem. It's just a mirror it's not like, fear me like you fear God. No, 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 no. You fear God, and that's mirrored in my awe of you. It's just a mamash a mirror. You want I should have years year for my Rebbe? No problem. It's up to the Rebbe. It's not up to me. <laughs> you get it? Now, that's the primis of the Mishnah. That's why murdered Abach Kamer Shammai. But when the Rebbe starts using this as a tool... For people to be scared of him, then you're stupid if you're scared of him. <laughs> then you're an idiot. Forgive me. Because you're selling your yira to uh, for, 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 for egotism. You should have yira shamayim. <laughs> right? The Shemta's father said, don't be afraid of anybody but Hashem. If the murder rabbach is separate from Yerushalayim, then you got the wrong rebbe. Or maybe he's a good guy, but it's not that Indian. He's a fine person, no problem. He's a, he could be a CEO. There's nothing wrong with being a CEO. But that doesn't have to do with, with murder rabbach and Yerushalayim. Again, I'm not talking about any, uh, any individuals. We're talking a concept. If it's shaykh to you, it's shaykh to you. If it's not shaykh to you, it's not shaykh to you. It's just not to be... Mavatl anybody. Although some of you are smiling very nicely. For whatever reason. For some reason I don't think it's because of the intellectual depth. That's Pshat. So that's a Moshul. You asked about a boss and a master. Duster Herich. That's Pshat. It says, Kiyam Avramavinu Avramavinu did all the mitzvahs before they were given. How? If they weren't given, how did he do it? The answer is... The body feels the brain. When there's no nifrit, when there's no period, if this is what Hashem wants, Avram felt it. Because there's organic connection. 
There's no separateness. A mitzvah is a commandment when you're separate. When you're not separate, you don't need the commandment because you're an extension. Ain't dover nifrit klom. That's why it says by the Akedah, fascinating thing. Uh, I think Reb Mendel says this in Priya Aretz. I'm almost sure he, or maybe the Mori one of the Talmudim of the Magid says, it says by the Akedah, they came to the altar, he tied Yitzchak by the altar on top of the wood, Vayishlach Avraham es Yodoy, Vayikach Avram sent out his hand, and he took his sword to slaughter his son. Well, obviously, you take a sword by sending forth your hand. It could have said, Vayikach Avram es Amachelis. We all know how you take a sword with your hand. You don't take it with your nose. You take it with your hand. An elephant takes it with a trunk. A person takes things with their hands. Vayikach Avram es Hamachelis. Vayishlach Avram es Yodoy. Vayikach Hamachelis. And if it wouldn't say... He took the sword. How with his hand? No, he sent forth his hand. No, what's pshat? Moiradik. Usually, Avram Avinu's hand, just like my hand, I don't have to send forth my hand. I didn't think right now before I spoke that in order to bring out the point, I should go like this. So I told my hand, go like this. The hand is in sync with the brain. It's almost in sync. The brain will, and there's a nerve signal, and almost berega kamemra millisecond, the hand goes like this. There's no special commandment to the hand, because the hand and the brain are one. Avram Avinu, because of his oneness with God, so there didn't have to be a separate command. It was like instinctive, it was automatic. Besides one thing, taking the sword. Because taking the sword, he thought was God's will. But it really wasn't Hashem's will. Hashem's will was, Al Tishlach Yad Chalanar. So it wasn't going. His hand wasn't moving because it's not what God wanted. He had to send forth his hand. Gay! He had to send forth his hand. It wasn't natural. It wasn't organic. He had to send forth his hand because it wasn't really God's will. So there was no holistic oneness and that organic innate connection. So he had to do it to do it especially. That's the Oymek. We'll see a little later. The Gemara says in Masech Shabbos that when the Jews were by Sinai, they stood under a mountain. And Hashem said, if you take the Torah good, if not, you're done. He put a mountain over their heads like a vat, like an overturned vat. A gigis is an overturned uh, barrel. It's a mountain over their head, over four million Jews. You want? Good. If not, this is a nice cemetery for you. This means the whole Torah was forced. Purim, they finally accepted it. That's why it says in the Megillah, Kimu v'kiblu ha-Yehudim. V'kibel ha-Yehudim The Jews affirmed and accepted. They accepted what they began. Kimu v'kiblu. What's Pshat in the Megillah it says? It says, Kimu masha kiblu kvar. What they once accepted, they finally affirmed. First time they accepted it through coercion. And now they finally were Mekayim and they said, yes, we're in. How much time was for Matan Torah till Purim? Purim happened after Bayis Rishon. Bayis Rishon was built 440 years after they came into Eretz 
480 years after Matan Torah. Bayez Rishon stood for 410 years. So from Matan Torah till the building of the Beis HaMikdash was 480 years. 480 plus 410 is how much? 890. And then there was 70 years of Golas Bavel is what? 960. Almost a full millennium after Matan Torah passed till Purim. Almost a full 1,000 years. You got the Cheshman? Give or take. For a thousand years, Judaism was, was a fraud, a fake, a phony. I mean, what, this, this is it? A thousand years? The whole Yiddish Jewish people are 3,000 years old. I mean, not such a small number. So a third of that, there was nobody was interested. It was all four. It's very nice. It's hard to understand. So Chesidus Taiches, the Balatanya Taiches, but very, very edel, very edel, very subtle. On Purim, the Jews appreciated that the Kofa Aleim Harkegigis of Matan Torah was the greatest compliment. Like when the Rebbe told him, I'm not asking you because you're mine. That's the greatest compliment. You're mine. This is who you are. This is how I see you. By Purim, the Jews finally understood that the Kafalem of Matan was the greatest moment of their life. On Purim, they understood retroactively how to look at Matan Okay. You want to know why Purim? Yeah. I want to know why it was worth a thousand years of suffering. Not suffering. They were living with Pirud. They were living in this first state of... We have the ultimate goal of having this bidl. We talk about it like it's, uh, you know, okay, you have uh, step one, and then you get step two. Really, I know, step, step two one. is wrong, you're right. It's step one. It's not really step two. And then you have a step two. It's if step you're a lucky guy, once in a lifetime, you're going to have this step two for... for uh, but I'll tell you something. Step two enlightens step one. So that, that, that's, that's the that's, 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 that's important. Here, yeah. Part, step two enlightens. It's a different hergish in step one. The understanding of step two, at least on a on some level, gives a whole new chiyus to step one. Why do you think a thousand years for step two to three points? The same thing with us learning. So it takes 50, 60 years to understand the process. Not a thousand years. <laughs> We're talking about the consciousness of Klal Yisrael. That I'm putting. They saw it in the in the Torah, no? That too, yeah. This class is brought to you by the Yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net/slash/donate.